Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. I'm here with my good friend, Licky Lovegy. Licky, welcome to the podcast, buddy. Thanks, John. And I'm looking forward to our conversation and always love chatting with you. Oh, me too. So, my goodness, what, three years ago? Now, this is all pre-COVID. I signed up for this amazing workshop called Heroic Public Speaking just to get gooder, a little bit gooder at what I do and speaking <laughs> and and I really wanted to bring in a mentor into my life on, hey, how do I really connect with people I speak to in a way? You know, so many of us, if you speak, right, you're like, what's, does it really make a difference? Like, am I just showing up or you have a speaker coming into your event? Is it entertaining? Or did I deliver something in a way that people actually have something to take away? They're changed. Their life is better. And I wanted to get to the point with my speaking where that was the experience people have with me. And I fly out to Lambertville, New Jersey with Michael Port and Amy Port and the group. And I got to tell you, one of the most well-dressed, sharpest dudes I'd ever seen. I, like, first of all, I was like, dang, who's that? And we get called up in this first day or two to do kind of a little, hey, does anybody want to volunteer? Come up here, do a little part of what they're doing and get some coaching and feedback. This is from the staff that's there. And Licky, that was you. I remember you stepped up and you just gave a little bit, but it was about blind spots, what they are, why we need to know what they are, how important they are. And something I teach in the leadership that I do, it's all around feedback, right? As leaders, you know, if you look at this leadership arc, right? Think about this, folks. Here's this arc. It starts with ignorance. We don't know how we're coming across, how we're perceived by others, how we make decisions, because there's stuff in our backstory. That leads to self-awareness. Self-awareness is where everything starts, where I can actually start making some changes. Once I have self-awareness, here's the next step in this leadership arc, is transformation, because now I can start making permanent change. That's what really transformation, right? It comes, actually, if you look at the Greek it actually comes from, think of a butterfly, right? Going as a caterpillar to a butterfly. It's a permanent change. That starts leading to mastery of things that you need to do to be more effective at what you do. And as, as you're on that path toward change and mastery, that's when you can truly influence others in a positive way. That's leadership because you can't do for other people uh, what you haven't done for yourself. And this is what I'm hearing Licky talk about. I'm like, oh my gosh. So first of all, I totally get this guy, but he is so dialed in. And then afterwards, Licky, we got to do some work with uh, just a group of our peers and friends, and you published your book. It's called Death by BS, Death by Blind Spots. And that's what we're going to be digging in today, folks, because that self-awareness around those things that are our blind spots, they are going to be key to what's holding you back, I think, in your marriages, if you're married with your spouse with your kids, with your coworkers, with your peers, with the team that you lead. These are some things that'll just blow some things open for you personally and professionally. Licky, this has been a focus of yours. What have you seen of just, before we kind of dig into what blind spots are and how we really dig into it, what makes it so important, do you think, to really start to understand what these are in our lives? Well, John, uh, thanks for that kind introduction. And I've so valued our relationship we've had over the years. Blind spots to me was interesting that, you know, it's how we've been behaving for many years and not knowing what we were like. 
And the work I'm doing right now is basically mainly because of the work that I had to do for myself. I've been on this journey for about 10 years trying to find out why do I behave the way I behave? And the biggest issue that I was having was I had to stutter for 35 years. And I didn't know what that was. I didn't know why I had a stutter. I knew I wasn't born with it. And when would your stutter show up? Like, was it like all the time or was it time <laughs> right. when you were stressed or? Yeah, stress. Like today, I, if I hadn't done the work right now, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation because my stutter would take over this conversation. Mm. Okay. And it's all started when I was 10 years old. I immigrated from Pakistan and Africa into Canada. And I got to Ottawa my first day of school. My teacher asked me to stand up in front of the class and share my immigration story. And, you know, 10 years old, who cares? You get up there and you start talking, right? As soon as I got up there, I remember English wasn't my first language at this point. So the kids started laughing. And one of the kids yelled, go back to where you came from. And then the second kid yelled the same thing. And then they all started laughing. I started looking at my teacher and the teacher kind of shrugged his shoulders, didn't know what to do. So I go sit in my, in my seat in tears. The life of Licky, not good enough, doesn't belong, not worthy, started. The next day, the life of Licky with a stutter began. The next day from that, wow. The next day it started because I couldn't even speak at that point. Now, I, didn't, I couldn't relate that to it. I mean, 10 years old, you don't know your stutter's becoming that. I was just nervous, you know, whatever. Grade eight, I got bullied, got beat up. Grade nine was even worse. Grade 10, I went down the wrong path. In grade 11, I had to drop out of high school. I dropped out of high school. I just couldn't take it anymore. Fast forward, I had a few successful companies after that. And the last one was an IT company that I sold off five years ago. Right after that, I'm sitting at the beach on this little beautiful hammock, but I woke up numb, like literally numb. I couldn't move. Now, John, I know you've woken up numb from your accident, but I literally couldn't move. I was in a depressive state like this. I called up my coach. I go to him. I said, you know, this is what's happening. And he goes, Licky, the biggest issue you have is you're not connecting to people. You're not talking to people. Let's get you out and talk to people. So I called up my good friend, Bob Berg, who is the author of The Go-Givers. Yeah, he's awesome, by the way. He's been on the podcast and he is fantastic. He is. And when I talked to him, he goes, why don't you become a speaker for us? I said, I can't become a speaker. I've got the stutter. And he goes, well, come on down and we'll, we've got this coaching certification program. You can at least coach for us because I know you've given away hundreds of our books and you like the methodology. So I said, great. At least I can get back into this giving back to community. And I get there, John. And on the third day, part of the exercise is that I was supposed to stand up and he started acknowledging me for the person that I was. Vicky, you're kind, you're gentle, you're trusting. And we're so glad to have you part of our coaching group. Kathy, his business partner, gets up and says very similar, but yet different things. The third person, the fourth person. Again, I break down in tears. And Bob goes, what's going on? I said, I've never heard these words before. And he kind of looks at me like this and he goes, I wonder if you've never listened to these words before. Oh. And that kind of blew me away. So he says, let's finish the rest of the people and then we can talk. Six other people went through and they acknowledged me for the person that I was. John, I felt the sense of relief, didn't know what was happening. That night, I took a flight back from Orlando to Dallas-Fort Worth, talking to the passenger next to me without a stutter. I get to DFW. I'm going around talking to strangers. Hey, hey when you're sitting there talking to that passenger sitting next to you, yeah. when did it dawn on you that you're having this conversation and the stutter's gone? 
about two hours into the conversation. Wow. I actually asked her, I said, I got to ask you something silly. Did you hear a stutter from me? She kind of looked at me crazy. She goes, no. Then I get to DFW and I start talking to strangers just to test this theory. And the stutter was gone. And what was going through your mind right then? Because this is a major like pivot point yeah. happening. Well, I get home and I tell my wife this. And she kind of looks at me. She goes, great. It took 10 strangers to tell you that you're a good person. And we've been telling you for 35 years. Mm. And that's what got to me is that I wasn't open to listening to the good that was coming my way. Because Licky is not good enough, doesn't belong, not worthy, was overcoming every single thing in my life. So the part of receiving to me was my biggest blind spot. I could not receive good that came my way. I was great at giving. I was incredible at giving value to everybody else, building connections, relationships, giving whatever I could. But the moment it came back to me, that was good. I just couldn't take it. Even to the point where, John, we'd be sitting at a dinner table, I wouldn't let anybody else pay the bill because I didn't think I was worthy enough to be paid for that bill. Like if I came up there and bought you dinner for you, that would just feel yeah. wrong. Yeah. So I would fight with you. I would fight for so, that So what bill. was wrong though? Was it your, where was this in your, was it your identity, your self-image? Like is you kind of, I know you've worked through a lot of these things. A lot of these yeah. things that actually drive this behavior we're not aware of, these blind spots. They're also called, you know, unconscious bias, right? We hear a lot about unconscious bias around racism, but what we don't realize, we have a lot of unconscious bias toward ourselves, toward situations, toward people we're close to without realizing it. There's a lot in there. But what created for you this understanding of, okay, like, huh, these are things that are influencing my behavior subconsciously. Because if you remember back Napoleon Hill's famous book, right? Thinking Grow Rich. Yeah. One of the things he stated in there, and I don't even remember when that book was written, like, I don't know, 80 years ago. One of the things he states in there is 95% of our behavior, it's on autopilot. It's driven by our paradigms, our beliefs of ourselves. It's subconscious. And only 5% is conscious. And what we have to do to get different results is reprogram that autopilot. And that's a lot about what you're talking about. Now, basically, his premise from a long time ago has been proven out by research and psychology and studies that that is absolutely spot on today. Yeah, John, and you're absolutely right. The external finding or the external behavior for my limiting belief of not being good enough, not belonging was a stutter. But the intrinsic behavior was I didn't trust anybody. I had to prove myself always to people, even though I didn't need to. That created a facade for myself of, just being pompous. And interesting enough, I, I remember asking the group at HPS, how do I show up when I walk into a room? And a few of you said, well, you show up as a pompous blank. And I kind of snickered. I go, what do you mean? And they go, well, you dress well and you don't smile. And until you speak, you show up as pompous. And when you speak, you're kind, gentle, and warm. And that one really hit me because I don't want to be known as pompous. No, I could see how that would come across because you are, you're buttoned up, you're serious. But as I got to know you, you're so fun and lighthearted and warm, like, like the way you're showing up right now on this podcast. But when I first met you, I was like, oh man, this guy's serious. Yeah. That was my first thought. Yeah. I never smiled. And, you know, it was one of those things that I didn't believe in myself, John. And that's mm. the hardest issue. And once I started doing that over the, over the last 
well, it's been a journey for the last 10 years. And I'd say over the last three to four years, it's been a real work in progress. And the awareness, you know, uh, self-awareness is such a buzzword these days, but, you know, 95% of us think we're self-aware, but actually only 15% actually are self-aware. Yet we think that we can read others and read out their blind spots when we can't even read our own. So let's start focusing on being ourselves first and understanding how we are and what our behaviors and triggers are. So what you're saying is before I go to all my friends and say, hey, buddy, you have some blind spots. Let me share with you and tell you what I think they are. Right. Like it says in the Bible, right. You know, take the log out of your own eye before you take the speck out of somebody else's. We're talking about, you know what, we got to become aware of some of these logs. And what you're saying is only 15% of people realize there's a log there. And the rest of the people are walking around going, whoa, dude, that is the biggest log I've ever seen. And you're like, what log? <laughs> you know, John, you and I both do work with leaders. And the first thing we get told by leaders, go fix their problems. They're not behaving themselves. They're not functioning. And when's the last time a leader said, can you come and help me so that I can go help my team? And the work that we do, it starts allowing the leaders to become a little bit more self-aware and seeing where the problems actually stem from. So what does that look like? I'd love for you, because I took your blind spot assessment and it was fantastic. And you and your team have done a tremendous amount of research. This isn't just some interesting exercise. This is data research-based psychology backs this up. And I'd love to dig into some of the foundational things. We have a lot of leaders that listen to this community or this podcast and love to for you to share some of those places. Hey, here's where we started. Here's what we do with the information. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, right after our course, uh, we got hit with COVID, right? And I had yep, to change my, yep. you know, speaking wasn't going to happen. But our buddy, Michael Hudson, reaches out to me and says, hey, Licky, you got to reach out to this Kevin McCarthy guy. He's talking blind spots. I go, what? Nobody else can talk blind spots. That's my IP. So I called up Kevin McCarthy and I said, Kevin, dude, what's going on here? Like, what are you doing? We're just joking around. And he says, I've got this assessment. Uh, you know, you want to give it a try? So I tried it out. And I'm like, this is mind boggling because it would take me three to four conversations with a client to be able to build their trust to call the blind spots out. This thing in four minutes highlights some of the key blind spots. So I started working with Kevin and we're now business partners and we've taken this assessment and given it to all leaders, all teams, and it transforms teams immediately. You know, here's an example. On this assessment, I'm known as a connector. One of my biggest blind spots is I'm flighty, or I may seem flighty because I like trying different things out and maybe not finish a job. So I, what you might call I'm a visionary. I'm not the executor, mm -hmm. whereas Kevin is the competitor or the energizer in the competitor mode when he comes in is like right to the point, let's get the job done. And he can also actually execute. So we get along really well. But if I didn't know he was a competitor, I remember he called me up one day and he goes, okay, Licky, where are we at with sales? Like what's going on? And I'm like, whoa, hang on a sec. I'm doing the best as I can. And I took it personally. Like I'm a connector. I'm the guy who does sales, right? I took it personally, but then I had to remember He's not attacking me. He's actually asking me a specific question. Where are we with sales? What's the status? What's going on? Yeah, and what I'm hearing in that is you guys are wired differently. So how he asked the question, he's not trying to make you wrong. You know, and here's something else too, why I think this is so important. If you just look at all, a lot of the different personality assessments, let me know your thoughts on this, right? I think there's two big groups and there's a spectrum, of course, people that are more transactionally oriented, 
execution, people that are more relationally oriented. I'm on the blind spot assessment. I'm a motivator, which probably doesn't surprise you, right? That is more relationally oriented. So if I'm more relationally oriented and somebody comes to me and goes, dude, I need this and this and this, and where are you at this? And they don't be like, hey, how are you doing? How's your day? How's the family? It feels to me like they don't value me. It could. It has that potential. And if I'm relational and I'm going to somebody who's more transactionally oriented, who's focused on the work, that's how they're wired. This isn't a right or a wrong. And if I'm in the zone and I'm on purpose and I'm focused on a project and you want to come in and chat before we get to the business, it's driving me crazy. Therein, boom, creates conflict. So understanding, Licky, you just heard Licky say this, like, you know what? Your business partner came in. And it, your first reaction was, that didn't feel right. Then you realized, oh, I know how he's wired. This is just him doing what he, he's just doing him. So I have a choice right now. I'm either going to be annoyed or I'm going to be here to serve and support him and get the job done. And then maybe give him some feedback and say, hey, here's how this came across. It could totally just be me, but I think this is how it might make it a little better. Or you might even just say, I'm not even going to have that conversation because it is just me. Uh, you've hit it right on, uh, John. It's understanding our behavior, first of all, because of our blind spots, and then also understanding where they're coming from. And then the job is for the ideal solution is to meet halfway in between, to be able to adapt, yet deliver what you need to. So if I'm working with a peacemaker, which is they don't want conflict at all, and I'm connector and I want to just go at it. And now Kevin is a competitor and he's going at, let's make sure this is all getting done. A peacemaker is sitting back and saying, Okay, hang on a second. I don't want conflict. I'm not sure what's happening. They're taking, they need a little bit more detail. Then an analyzer comes in and says, what is all the details about? What are you guys trying to do? And for me, John, I don't provide detail. I never used to because I'm just a visionary, big picture guy. Let's just get to that job right away. And then if an analyzer is sitting in that meeting, they're like, what are you talking about? Like, how are you going to get there? They need details. So what I've learned now is, I need to provide a lot more detail, maybe even send an email or an agenda beforehand so they understand. So they're at peace and calm and present in the conversation. We've transformed teams in one session, John, once we've allowed them to take this assessment and understand what potential blind spots are, what behaviors are, and how they need to behave around that. Small example here. You know, I'd be driving and I'd be thinking, you know, it's time for a holiday. So I'd call up my wife at that point and say, hey, let's go take a trip. And then the next day I'd get this 30-page email about the sand we're going to be stepping in and the Michelin five-star restaurants and the lava off the mountains. And I'm like, I just want to know where and when we're going. I don't need to know all these details. And in fact, we wouldn't go on holidays because I couldn't make a decision. Is that because your wife would get all excited and do all this research, which is her yeah. wiring, probably her love language, her, like how she sees the world. And then for you, that's overwhelmed. So I'm like, you know what? It's easier for me to pass. Yeah. For her, what it was, was I need to do analysis and I need to find out exactly what this is about is to get excited about it. So she's excited, but I look at this and go, okay, I don't know where we're going and how much it's going to cost me. So forget it. I put it aside. Then what happened was once we did this assessment and started talking blind spots, now the email would come in and say, and subject line, Hawaii, 12 days, X amount of dollars. And then the 30-page email. Now I would actually read some of the 30 pages and vice versa. I'd be driving around. I'd see this 67 Mustang and she'd say, I'd call her up and say, hey, look at this Mustang. She's like, oh, no, he's going to go buy another car. No, no, no. I'm just throwing stuff on the wall to see what sticks. 
So now she realizes he's just creating stuff. Whatever sticks, sticks. Whatever doesn't, doesn't. So, you know, at that point, it's speaking in the proper language. Now, just imagine in teams where the conflict could come in. If you're not getting what you need from the person, their style could be a little bit different. Bring this in. Pretend like we're, it's like a documentary and there's a camera following you into a new team. You just finished all their assessments. They have some dysfunctions. I actually just met with the team last week. They've been working together as a team for 10 years. And they kind of feel like they've gone through phase one and phase two, right? You've definitely had some success. There's about 100 people at the company. But to get to that next level for them, right, to succeed in this next season, to keep growing, they're frustrated and they're stuck. So we're in there to help them get unstuck. So let's just imagine a team like that, because I'm sure you can picture it. You have their assessments. You have their blind spots. Talk about what you've seen, like what specifically, how would you would share that with people to create this opportunity? Because what I've seen with a lot of teams is having somebody come in from the outside. It's what I do. It's what you get to do. But when you can have someone from the outside come in and kind of speak truth and love, share some of these things, all of a sudden people can be like, oh, I get it now. But if we were there kind of fly on the wall, share with us some of that, what that conversation would could look like. That's great, John. Uh, and this is what we do, actually. When I go into this room, I'll share my first potential blind spot. And my biggest blind spot is the flightiness, right? I don't finish jobs. I don't finish a project. And I'm not a detail-oriented person. And I'll say that. And my next one is lack of trust. I have a hard time trusting people. And then I would normally turn over to the executive or the CEO and say, hey, you know, you've taken the assessment and you're a competitor, could you possibly read out one of your potential blind spots that resonate with you? As opposed to making up his own, I want him to read it out. So now it's just a piece of paper, no judgment, the piece of paper saying it. So he reads it out and then he says, okay, can anybody agree that this could be one of my blind spots? And the hands go up, right? People start laughing, oh yeah, now I get it. Now I understand why you're always so hard on us. And then the next person goes and they read their own potential blind spot. All of a sudden, by the time they go around the table, they know more about each other and understand how they need to communicate. They keep on doing that over and over again. Now they're getting to know each other really, really well. And then the idea after that conversation is to bring them all into the middle and say, I need to lean into you. You need this. So I'm going to speak to you this way. But I can't lean all the way to you. You need to understand that I'm just coming up with ideas and help me out with that. So John, when, the, when we've got four primary styles and in our assessment, there's eight styles altogether. When you've got the four primary styles figured out, you can almost understand how to communicate with almost anybody in the organization. But the key here is you have to be aware of your own blind spots and understand what the other people's blind spots are. And then we lead with heart, as opposed to from our own blind spot. Yeah, and I got to tell you, just from a business results standpoint too, I remember when this blog post you wrote based on blind spots came out around selling. I'm like, oh, that's interesting, you know, because selling is a weak spot. But what the biggest blind spot in just a sales process is how we listen, right? Because we're looking at somebody else's body language. We're looking at their tone of voice. We're bringing all our stuff in there. And if I remember, and you can correct me, 
I think you said like 85% of our listening is not accurate because of our blind spots when we're bringing into a conversation. So how do you have an effective sales conversation if a lot of your listening is that far off? Is that right? You're bang on. You know, you and I are on the same hemisphere. You're a motivator. I'm a connector. So we love talking. We love being engaging, right? You and I can connect with each other. I know you're talking. You love telling stories. And you and I can sit here for hours to tell stories and never get to anything. We can just keep on telling stories. We could do that. Now, We've done that in the past. We have done that. But now imagine there's a person from the opposite hemisphere, which could be an analyzer or a stabilizer, but they need detail. They're getting frustrated with us, John. They're like, get to the point. What are you talking about? Like, get to the real point. Like, even today in this conversation, there's people sitting there saying, okay, so what is the point of this conversation? Where do I find this assessment? Give me the link to the assessment. I want to take it. What do I get out of it? So we have to understand that there is other styles of people out there that need to hear different ways of speaking. In sales 101, right? Understand who you're speaking to. Understand what their language is. So we've come up with four simple questions on this. Are you fast-paced and direct? Or are you slow-paced and indirect? Are you task-oriented? Are you people-oriented? Once you have those four questions set up, you can put them into four quadrants. So if you're fast-paced and people-oriented, you're the competitor motivator style. So John, if I was a car dealership right now and I walk in or you walk into the dealership and I would just say, hey, John, great car you're driving there. I love the bike rack you have. What do you use it for? All of a sudden you say, yeah, it's a Thule XYZ and I have a Cervelo bike. So I know right off the bat, you're task oriented and you want to get great to details. If you were to tell me, oh man, I love cycling. I just did this trip to Italy. I went around all the valleys and it was just beautiful. I know right off the bat, you're a storyteller and you don't really care about the horsepower in the car. You want to look good. You want to get there. You want to create memories. Now I want to speak to you in that language. That's what we do in sales and leadership as well. Understanding what language is required. And just by asking a couple of simple questions. Well, yeah. And just think about that at work, right? If I understand somebody's style at work and you understand mine, folks, I'm telling you right now that I have seen a team in a very short period of time, absolutely blossom and move into a place of thrive conflict. I, I won't say it's been eliminated, but I've seen conflict reduce in a meaningful way. And Licky, like you said before, the people listening, like what is the link so people actually can take the assessment? Because we did that with our team. We talked about it. We had you come in and talk with us about it. It was it, it was the super helpful, real deal. But what's the link, first of all? Just go to my website, LickyLavji, L-I-K-K-Y-L-A-V-J-I.com. And just take the assessment. It takes four minutes. Complete it. You'll get the results. And if you want more information on that, just reach out and we'll be happy to help you out with it. And once you take the assessment, we're actually even providing a leader's guide, a leader's journey guide for free for all the executives who actually want to take this assessment and bring it into their work, workplace. Final thoughts here. Here's something I want to share with you guys too, is this. When we are looking at other people, I read somewhere doing my research that the average blind spot that we have that's noticeable by others that we have between four and five, like noticeable blind spots. And I want you to think about this. Some of you guys, you think your boss 
is a total sociopath. Like you're convinced they're a jerk. They have an agenda that's against you. And let me ask you this. Has anybody, could it be that they might have a blind spot and they don't understand how they come across either to you or your team? Because I'll never forget once when I finally, I had an assistant, this young lady came up to me and I always see myself as that pretty happy motivator guy. But she said, John, you know, because I think I, I said something in a team meeting like, hey, I need to get more feedback from you guys. I want to get this better. And I just felt like there was some distance with some members on the team. I couldn't put my finger on. And I asked them for feedback and everybody's saying, no, you're awesome. Well, Amy came up to me and she's like, can I share something with you, Joan? Like, yeah, you're mostly happy, but we're afraid to come to you to give you feedback because you get intense and you start questioning us, and then you start kind of debating. And that comes from how I grew up as a kid. Nothing was ever good enough. It was rare. Praise was only from an accomplishment. And when I saw somebody not seeing me as that happy-go-lucky, nice guy, I didn't like it. And I would start to dig in versus listen and ask questions. So that behavior that they saw is maybe how I showed up was, to me, a total blind spot. And had Amy not come to me and just shared that little nugget, which created that awareness, right, out of ignorance to awareness that now started saying, okay, this is something I need to work on. I could share this with my friends. Hey, I'm trying to get better. Some of my peers at work, give me feedback if you see me showing up this way, because I don't like that. And then all of a sudden, it slowly got better. But it is a huge gift when some of the hardest things, areas of feedback I've gotten from others to when I recognize it truly is a blind spot. So I tell you what, give grace and give assumed best intent from other people. But before you give them a lot of feedback, let's work on our own stuff. But with that, Licky, I'd love for you to just like, what are some final thoughts and ideas for you as we land the plane here, so to speak? Well, I love it. You know, what you just said right now, John, I'm, I'm looking at your potential blind spots up for a motivator. There's two things that come up for me. And, and right there on a piece of paper, it says providing others with constructive criticism is a real challenge for you. But on the other side, it says you might tend to wear your emotions on your sleeve. Now, if those are blind spots that are written down and you share them that, hey, I sometimes wear my emotions on my sleeve and I have a hard time giving constructive criticism. All of a sudden, that vulnerability in that organization for you shifts. You just became a real human being that actually has highlighted their own blind spots. And now others can see it. He's, he actually knows he's wearing his emotions on his sleeve. Good. Now I can actually have a conversation with him without hurting his feelings. And it becomes an open door. Understanding blind spots, understanding what the potential blind spots are, and communicating it with each other and knowing each other's blind spots like you said, it almost always eliminates conflict and becomes a cohesive team. You know, we have leaders who've got issues like learning to let go, uh, retaining employees, setting up high expectations, not having people engaged in the organization. Once they've taken this assessment and the work that we do with them, some of those things go away right off the bat. No doubt. Okay, so folks, LickyLoveG.com. It's L-I-K-K-Y-L-A-V-J, as in Juliet, J-I.com. And I'd love for you to connect to uh, Licky. The, the assessment we did on our blind spots, what I liked about it, it didn't take a lot of time. 
It was very actionable. I know you do a lot of work with DISC and other assessments. What I like about this is it gives you great information that you can use right away. And you know what? In our busy lives, that is great. Like, let's go do something and make your family better, your team better, your organization better quickly. So, and then also your book, Death by BS. You guys can find that on Amazon and probably uh, Books a Million and probably anywhere else books are sold. And, uh, you know, just connect with Licky. I, I got to tell you, I'm just a better person having been around Licky and for the last couple of years, uh, staying connected and talking. And, man, we've kind of had some wonderful times to just kind of coach each other. And I, I would encourage you out there, if you guys don't have somebody that you know that you can just let in, who's has a brings in a perspective that's outside of your world, someone you can talk to, somebody to really help identify some of those blind spots, help you get unstuck. It's just the little things that over time lead up to some exponential results. Maybe, like you heard Licky's story, maybe you just need somebody to speak into you and you finally to listen and believe it. And thank you for sharing that story, man. I, I can just imagine that little boy being bullied and stuttering and being frustrated because you didn't know where it came from. And I can't imagine the joy you probably felt the day to realize that something meaningful, something powerful just happened in my life. And man, this is, it's like the future opened up. Uh, thanks for acknowledging that. And, you know, uh, being labeled as ADD and ADHD in grade eight didn't help. And it was all because of the stutter. Mm. So once I let go of all of that, things just started shifting. So uh, we're holding on to a lot from our past and our perceptions and our behaviors from our past. We need to start looking at some of those so that we can become incredible human beings that we actually are, authentically show up as who we are. Yeah. Well, my friend, you're awesome. Keep knocking them alive out there. And I look forward to having our, our next conversation in person and on the podcast. Yes, you're awesome. Thanks, John. All right. See you, champ.